Welcome to the Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your health, energy, and productivity. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Thrive TV Show. My name is Lauren Parsons. I'm your host, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Michelle May, who is going to talk to us all about mindful eating for vibrant living. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Glad to be here, Lauren. It's really nice to connect with you. And uh, today we're going to be talking about why diets have not delivered on what they promise, how to eat fearlessly and mindfully, and how to free your energy so that you can live the vibrant life that you crave. So I know that this episode is going to be really helpful to so many people. Before we get into all of that, though, Michelle, I'd love to just ask you my this and that questions, if that's all right. Of course. Okay. So tell me, spots or stripes? Stripes. Stripes, nice. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Okay, lovely. Introvert or extrovert? I'm an extroverted introvert. Okay, yes, one of those complex mm-hmm. ones. I think I think we're all a bit of a balance, aren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Logical or creative? Oh gosh, a little of both. I'll say logical. Okay, nice. Would you rather be on a mountaintop or on a beach? Mountaintop. Nice. Singing or dancing? Singing. Not well. (laughs) Batman or Superman? Uh, Superman. Okay. And fresh salad or hot vegetables? Ooh, hot vegetables. Okay, I had to have a foodie one in there for you. Nice. So to tell you a little bit more about Michelle, Michelle May, MD, is a recovered yo-yo dieter. She's the founder of Am I Hungry? Mindful Eating Programs and Training that guides individuals to resolve mindless and emotional eating and senseless yo-yo dieting to live the vibrant life that they crave. Over 700 health and wellness professionals have trained to facilitate the I Am Hungry programs worldwide. And Dr. May is a professional speaker and the award-winning author of the book series, Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat. So tell me, what is it that you love most about what you do, Michelle? Mm. Well, you probably get this, Lauren, but I love watching people transform. I just love people coming in and maybe struggling with food, feeling a bit hopeless, and then finding light and finding freedom and a vibrant life. It's exciting. Nice. Fantastic. And tell us, how did you like, can you give us a brief backstory? You mentioned in your, um, in your bio there that you were a yo-yo dieter. Was that what was the catalyst to get you into what you're doing now? Yeah, it sure was. I mean, I was 12 or 13 when I really started formally dieting, uh, very common, of course, among women of all ages, but becoming more common. And I dieted all the way through school, all the way into college and into medical school. And it really wasn't until I went into my private medical practice that I began to realize that a lot of the people that I was working with had similar stories. And many of us had tried lots of different diets. And so that was kind of the wake up call for me that if a physician and many other successful individuals in their lives couldn't do this one thing, maybe diets don't work. And so that really started me on this path of trying to figure out how did we fall into this trap? What kinds of problems is it causing for us? And is there another way to manage our eating that doesn't require so much of our time and energy? Mm-hmm, yeah. So can you tell us why is it that diets don't work? 
It's actually fairly complex. Most people think that diets do work and they do temporarily, but Mm -hmm. then they don't long-term. And I would say in most other areas, if something only works temporarily, we don't say it works. If you bought a car that only worked for a while and then it didn't, you wouldn't think it was a good car. Yet a lot of times people will start a diet and then they will begin to struggle and they'll blame themselves. They think they don't have enough willpower or maybe they haven't found the right diet or it's not the right time. But the Mm -hmm. truth is that we evolved to really try to protect our bodies against what the body perceives as a famine, a lack of enough nutrition and fuel. And so the body begins to conserve energy. We actually develop psychological and and physiological changes that cause us to notice food more, to think about food more. Food even tastes better when you haven't been eating on a consistent basis or regularly or enough or the foods that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so all of these factors end up causing us to not be able to stick to the diet indefinitely. Yeah, so basically people's bodies are working against them, but actually for them, because your body does not want to let you kill it, right? Your body does not want to allow you to starve yourself. So right. when you start depriving, your body actually adapts. What you're saying is it adapts not just physiologically, but also psychologically, so that you notice food, you crave food more. It feels increasingly difficult to stick to the diet. Absolutely. And as you, as you pointed out, this is not your body failing you. This is your body protecting you and Mm -hmm. you're not doing anything wrong, especially because so much of the initial desire to try a diet comes from some outside in influence that says Mm -hmm. you're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not thin enough. You're not young enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not enough. And that really is not in alignment with what with what we're really about survival and thriving in the in the bodies that we have right now. Mm-hmm. So what is the key sort of first step for somebody who's listening in and they're, they're realizing that they too are on that yo-yo of, of trying out diets and hoping the next one will work? Where should they start? Well, I think first is recognizing that even this idea of a yo-yo, I mean, just think about it. You're on the diet being good, or you're off the diet unraveling back down to the bottom and you go up Mm -hmm. and down and on and off, but a yo-yo doesn't really stop in the middle. It's either always on the, on the way up or on the way down. And so what I like to do is just change the metaphor altogether and think about a pendulum instead so that there may be times when you're maybe paying more attention to nutrition, maybe times you're not paying as much attention. But the point is that a pendulum does have a middle. There's a smaller arc in between where you're able to eat the foods that you really enjoy and you eat in a way that really helps you feel your best as well. And so that arc is flexible. It's not rigid. It's not a fixed formula of what you should and shouldn't eat, but it really is about fitting it into your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. A lot of people I know will talk about good foods and bad foods. Mm. Interested to hear your thoughts on that and that kind of terminology. Well, it is a, it is a big problem. I like to say good foods and bad foods with air quotes around it because, you know, clearly there are no inherently good or bad foods. In fact, I've, I've, 
was dieting long ago enough that I recall when certain foods like eggs and almonds and peanut butter were considered bad foods. And of course, now we know that these are very healthy forms of fat that, that are good for us, right? Good for us. And yeah. so I think when we give these terms like good and bad, the problem is that then we feel good, like we did something good when we eat certain foods and we feel bad when we eat the foods that are off limits. Mm -hmm. That tends to be a problem because if you have that sort of all or nothing or good or bad approach to your eating, then what people do is they will eat good for a while and then they'll swing all the way in the other direction. Mm -hmm. And then they're not paying any attention to nutrition at all. So rather than going from one extreme to the other, it's really about finding a balance that works for you and having the flexibility to adapt that balance, depending on what's going on and what's available and, and how you're feeling, what you're, what you're um, dealing with at the moment. Yeah, I really am loving this analogy. It's, I love analogies for a starter. And I know I'm going to be quoting you on this one, just the idea of being able to not necessarily always have a fixed point, not always be diet, diet, diet conscious, which is not a fun way to live, just got to no. find a happy medium. There's a, there's a study which you may be familiar with as well that comes to mind where they did a word association and that they asked, I believe it was Americans, what they associated with the word chocolate cake and the most common word was guilt. And then they asked the French the same thing and the word that they associated with it was celebration. So having that different attitude to your food, being able to say, yeah, I'm going to really enjoy this and, and this is a celebration and being able to eat guilt-free. Can you tell us a yeah, bit about yeah. moving towards feeling guilt-free in your eating? I think it's really an essential step. I call it fearless eating. Mm -hmm. This idea that you have the capability to make decisions about what you're going to eat at any given time. And I think you're bringing up guilt is a really important point. So think about the difference between guilt and regret. So if mm -hmm. I feel guilty because I ate chocolate cake, then there may be a little script that goes off in my head that said, you really shouldn't have done that. You were really bad. You know, tomorrow mm -hmm. we're going to get back on the diet. So we better have another piece now <laughs> because we right. are not going to be allowed to have it tomorrow. And so we actually end up compounding the, the, the discomfort that we have because of the shame and the guilt associated with it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, and regret means, oh, wow, I ate a second piece of chocolate cake and now I feel tired and uncomfortable. I wish I hadn't done that. I wonder why I was watching mm. TV. I guess I wasn't paying attention. Next time mm. I'm going to pause before I get that second serving. So guilt mm -hmm. shuts the door and sticks us in the past where we've already made that decision. We can't do anything about it. Whereas regret opens the door for learning. We actually wow. learn something from whatever happened, use the feedback that we get from our body and then make the adjustments the next time around. And so unlike dieting, where most of us get worse and worse and worse as every week passes by with mindful eating and, and awareness, it gets easier and easier because you're learning more and more and more about yourself as you go. Mm -hmm. So amazing. fearless eating, I think is really an essential skill because we can eat what we love and learn how to love what we eat. And we will naturally discover that we prefer balance, variety, and moderation. 
that it doesn't feel good to eat a whole chocolate cake, but a piece is celebratory. Yeah, fantastic. I love that link back as well. And that's so interesting because the difference, it seems so subtle when you mention guilt and regret, they sound so similar, but I love the way you describe that. So when we can regret it, we can then have that chance to assess it, to think it through, to spot the learning and decide what we're going to do perhaps differently the next time around. And of course, you're seeing applications to all other areas of our lives as well, not just our eating, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You can extend this to so many things. I love that. Yeah. Right. So tell me a bit more about how do people practice mindful eating? Well, I think mindful eating, when I first started using the term years ago, I didn't invent it. It's a, it's a very ancient term. It, it stems back to Buddhist practices, but it has a lot of modern applications and implications in our, in our abundant food environment now. Yes. So mindful eating, I think, unfortunately, because it's become sort of a trendy phrase, at least here in the United States and, and certainly other places, sometimes people don't understand it and they think it means just paying attention while you eat. Or I, sometimes I'll see articles where um, an expert is telling people to chew their food 32 times. Yeah. as if Which just mindful. sounds... Yeah, just sounds horrible, right? Right, yeah. it's just another rule like any other diet. So the way that I look at mindful eating is it is really about awareness of every decision that we make around eating. We make hundreds of decisions every single day about our food and eating, but most of them are unconscious. Most of them are habitual. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we're just on autopilot doing what we have always done. And so when we bring mindfulness to the table, literally, then we are having the opportunity to be curious about why we want to eat now. Am I even hungry or yeah. is it possible that it was the sight of food or the time of day or perhaps some emotion or feeling that I'm experiencing? Then when I get curious about that now, I can really make a decision. Well, I'm not hungry. I could still eat anyway if I wanted to. Or I could figure out why I feel like eating now and what can I do to take care of myself better than food ever could. And then when I'm hungry, I'll eat and I'll enjoy it much more. Mm -hmm. That's really what mindful eating is, is it's bringing awareness or intention and attention to all the decisions that we make around eating. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like that brings a lot more satisfaction to your eating when you do eat and, and, and it sounds like it relates to that hunger and satiety, you know, getting in touch with your hunger and satiety cycles, knowing, oh, actually, I am really hungry right yes, now, yes. or actually, I'm just being triggered because I'm bored, because I'm stressed. Can you tell, can you just delve a little bit deeper into that whole emotions driving eating, which I imagine is a lot of your work? Yeah, it's so it's such an important piece of this puzzle because sometimes people will say, well, I'm an emotional eater. I'm mm -hmm. not really big on labeling myself as an eater of any kind, but yeah. certainly we all eat for emotional reasons. In fact, it's normal to have reasons that you eat that are tied to maybe cuddling with your child or, or spending time with family and friends or rewarding yourself after a tough day. It's mm -hmm. normal to have some emotional connection to food. It's healthy. 
-hmm. But where people have difficulty is when they don't really identify what their emotions are. And instead they try to push them down or soothe them or distract themselves by using food, by eating to feel better. And of course it works. It's not that it's not that eating doesn't give us some pleasure and distraction, but it's only temporary. And whatever mm. triggered that desire to eat is still there. And in fact, oftentimes it's even magnified because now the body is like, well, wait a minute. I tried to tell you I was mad. And now you ate two pieces of chocolate cake and I'm still mad. And now I'm full and uncomfortable and I'm mad at you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's this funny way of kind of magnifying what's going on without really addressing it. So I was telling one of my coaching clients today that for those of us who have used food in the past, this idea that I want to eat is actually an opportunity to say, okay, hang on here. I feel like eating, checking in, looking for hunger and satiety signals. If you recognize that you're not hungry, okay, mm -hmm. well now what else could it be? So having a little check-in moment, we, we teach a body, mind, heart scan, a way of checking into our physical sensations, our thoughts, our feelings and emotions to see what might be triggering this desire to eat. And you mentioned two of the most common ones, a boredom mm -hmm. and stress, which is super ironic because boredom is not having enough to do and stress is usually yeah. having too much to do. So it's yeah. interesting. That food fixes both ends of the spectrum of the, the this this uh, spectrum of having a, not enough and too much to do. So when we use food because we're bored, it works because eating is something to do. Except that when you're done eating, you're bored again, so you have to eat again. So yeah. it doesn't really satisfy long term. Similarly, when you're stressed, it can soothe you but the source of the stress is still there. And of course, you know, from the kind of work that you do, that stress is a very nonspecific word that stress often will come from feeling overwhelmed or feeling inadequate or feeling um, as though we don't have everything that we need to do our job, for example. And mm -hmm. so if we can get a little clearer about what's causing the stress, then the desire to eat actually becomes an opportunity to figure out what we really need and to practice more self-care. Wow. That's yeah, that's so insightful. And you inferred it a little bit earlier on when you talked about how, you know, finding out what you actually need. And I've always said, you know, that it's important to affirm the fact that you need to meet your emotional needs, but you just don't always necessarily need food to do so. So you're saying that it's about identifying what's actually going on, taking a chance to actually really figure that out and then respond with what's actually going to help you best in the moment. That's right. And of course, it's easier said than done. This is something that takes practice, but I think it's really worthwhile because if you think if you, I'm again, I'm a metaphor analogy person. So if you imagine that you have two buckets and one bucket in your body is your fuel needs, and the other bucket is all of your other needs, you have an opportunity to try to meet those needs throughout your day. If every time you experience some emotion or feeling or thought, you put fuel in, in other words, you eat, 
you're filling the wrong bucket if the need wasn't actually fuel. So the mm-hmm. other bucket, the other needs bucket remains empty. And that's why sometimes cravings feel so strong is because the need to meet those needs is legitimate. It's, it's a worthwhile, it's an important thing for us to be able to consider. And so when we're always using food, what we've done is we've narrowed our options. The way that we take care of ourselves has become very small. So mindful eating isn't about eating less. It's about living Mm -hmm. more. It's about expanding the options for the ways that I take care of myself. Certainly Mm -hmm. eating can be one way to add pleasure and enjoyment and connection in my life. And I might need to improve my relationships or I might need to rest better, or I might need to learn some stress management or organizational skills. There may be other things that I also need that will help me build what I call a self-care buffer zone so that we're more resilient in the day-to-day life. Yeah, I love the sound of that, the self-care buffer zone. So it sounds as though a lot of the, the advice and the help that you're offering people around their eating, it actually isn't always focused on the eating whatsoever. It's around all these other things because if we're busy trying to fill that bucket, yeah, we're just gonna keep going back and back. That's right. I I like to say it's not really about the food. It feels like it's about the food at first. And Mm -hmm. as we go deeper into the work and start to really peel back the layers, it becomes really clear that it's not about the food. The food has become a symptom or a surrogate or a stand-in for everything that I need to do to take care of myself. So of Mm -hmm. course, diets don't work for that because they're so focused on what you're eating, not why. And they're so focused on restriction and being good when we already have enough stress and enough things to think about and worry about and focus on. So it really only adds more. In fact, some people Mm -hmm. over diet the same way they overeat. They're so focused on controlling what they eat that they're also not meeting their needs. Yeah. And, And what would you say to people that are listening in that are saying, okay, that sounds amazing trying to find that pendulum and that happy place in the middle. But Michelle, if I picture not being on my diet and not having this strict regime to follow, I feel like I'm going to lose control or that feels really like a scary place to head. What would you say for that? I would say, of course, of course it does. Because if you go back to the pendulum model, the model that most people are following is they're on their diet, they're in control, they're holding their pendulum up all the way over here, takes a lot of time and energy and effort. And the minute they've let it go, they go all the way to out of control. And so that's scary too. So they go back to in control and they vacillate back and forth between in control and out of control. Mm -hmm. We are not talking about learning how to control yourself. We're talking about being in charge, which means that I recognize my choices. I recognize my triggers. I understand what's going on in the moment, in my body, in my environment, in my thoughts, in my emotions. And so when I'm in charge, instead of trying to control myself and not eat that chocolate cake, I'm Mm -hmm. in charge of making a decision. I can eat chocolate cake and I will feel better for a little while. And I also have many, many other options. I can call a friend. I can take a nap. I can journal. I can breathe. I can do yoga. Mm -hmm. I can go play with my dog. There's a lot of other options 
when we stop trying to control ourselves and think more about how we can practice this self-care buffer zone. Mm -hmm. I love this. And I can just picture people listening in just getting so much out of this because I feel like pennies will be dropping and I can picture some of my clients that we've had these sorts of discussions and I just I hope that this analogy is just going to help them take that next step that's really incredible thank you so much if people want to find out more about you and the work that you do Michelle how can they get in touch with you well, our website, amihungry.com, is full of free resources. You can take a quiz there to understand more about your eating style. You can download the first chapter of my books, Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat, to understand more about the mindful eating cycle and all the decisions that we make when we're eating. And of course, there's also information there for health and wellness professionals who want to do this work and for organizations who want to bring in me to speak or perhaps bring in a mindful eating program for their employees. So it's a huge website. Don't get lost in it. Just just follow your intuition about where you need to go to get get started. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And if you were going to share one final piece of advice to everyone that's listening in, what would you say, Michelle? Well, given that my company name is Am I Hungry? I would suggest that instead of worrying about good foods and bad foods and carbs and calories and points and exchanges, the next time you feel like eating, just pause for a moment and check in, ask yourself, am I actually hungry? And look for physical symptoms of hunger, growling, grumbling, irritability, all of these physical signs that your body needs fuel. If mm -hmm. not, then look for other reasons that you might feel like eating, maybe a habit because it's the time of day or you saw somebody else eating and be curious about how you might take care of your needs a little bit better. But remember, you're not asking the question, am I hungry to decide whether you're allowed to eat? You're asking the question to decide why you want to. And with that information, you're in charge of what you do next. Mm -hmm. I like that. You don't have to be in control of it, but you get to be in charge of how you respond. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for all of your time. I'm sure we could talk all day. And I know this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that people can dive into. So I do encourage you, if you're not already watching the video version of this episode, head to thrivetvshow.com and you'll find the links to all of Michelle's contact details down there. But easy to find that, amihungry.com. So thank you so much once again, Michelle. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. That's been another episode of the Thrive TV Show. Go out and thrive. Thank you for listening to the Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons. Visit thrivetvshow.com to access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next inspiring episode.